What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We got a very special guest today, Mr. Brian. How do you say the last name? Burke. 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 I almost said Bjork. You can say Bjork, Borky, <laughs> Borkmeister. Uh, Borkmeister. <laughs> You've yeah. heard them all. All of them. All of them. <laughs> I've heard all of them. We'll do. We're super glad to have you on the show, especially in person. Thanks Me for coming too. out to see us. Stoked to see you guys. How are we doing? How's the room feel? How's everybody doing over here on this I'm, lovely I'm day? I'm feeling full of light and love and just excited to, to see faces in person yeah. and connect again and um, ready to uh, take on the day. Awesome. Well, we're very grateful to have you here and to see you in person. It's been a while. Yeah. Sure. There we go. Well, we got a lot to get into today, especially about Rock to Recovery, which we will circle back to. But I think before we get into Rock to Recovery, we should probably get into Mr. Brian and kind of who you are and what you are and how life takes place for you. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So um, I was a Navy brat and from the time that I was born to the time that I was eight, I kind of like moved around and lived all over, but eventually settled in Southern California and um, down in the San Diego area. Nice. And so I grew up, you know, surfer, skater, punk rocker, and life was rad. And I ended up um, really diving into jazz music and became not successful, but a, a proficient jazz pianist. And, um, you know, I played sports year round and drugs and alcohol were never really part of my journey until I turned 15. And me too. My work in the business, <laughs> 15 seems to be like a good age out there. That's what I hear a lot. Um, and so for me, I knew from the first time that I consumed an alcoholic beverage, I consumed differently than other people from day one. The first time I was actually ever intoxicated on anything was weed. And I was with my best buddy at the time, lead singer of the band I was in. And we were at this little place up in Laguna Beach. And all of a sudden, this concept of time completely went away. And we I literally felt like I was flying off of sand dunes and we were rolling <laughs> around. And um, I probably spent the next 25 years chasing that same initial high, um, that innocence the high that came along with no repercussions, the high that came along with no judgment, just pure bliss, and and I never found it, you know? And high school was great, played sports year-round, but continued to drink and use regularly. But on my pros and cons list, I had zero cons, if any, and um, did well enough and graduated high school back in 97 and packed up my stuff and moved up to Northern California, um, where I went to Sonoma State University. And... A lot of times throughout my life, I used to say that my lifestyle or what I was doing for work or play was really conducive to my disease, to my addiction. I I later realized that my disease would have made any scenario, any lifestyle conducive to it, um, which I'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, I met a girl my freshman year and she became the love of my life and um, college was amazing. And again, I was I was able I was. I learned to play guitar over Christmas break my sophomore year to join a band. And within three months, that band was touring nonstop and took off. 
Um, little plug for Tsunami Bomb and my friends out there. Um, and still still writing and recording new stuff today. Um, and they're, they're dear friends and still family to me. But um, it, was, it was a journey that I... I felt like I was living my best life. I had the love of my life. I was touring four to five months out of the year. My degree was in studio recording and radio broadcasting. So I was either in the studio engineering, on the radio, hosting a show or touring. Right. College was perfect. Sounds yeah, great. That's the life. Sounds right like a there. great life. Uh, and, and, and getting high. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. nonstop. And, <laughs> and I did well because I was doing stuff that I loved, you know, and it just made sense to me. But unfortunately, I graduated. I graduated in 2001 and um, that girl I met my freshman year, I proposed to her and she was born and raised in a, in a little town that we're near. Can I say that? Like, yeah, can I say where? Course, All right. Yeah, nobody's going to come stalk me. No. All right. Hopefully not. Gilroy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so after we graduated, we went down and settled down in Gilroy. Um, and we later got married in 2002, but by this time we weren't touring really much. It wasn't our main means of income. And, and I had left the band because I, in my heart of hearts, knew I didn't want to be gone that much touring, um, which was one of the hardest decisions ever. So I ended up getting a job in the business world and I started selling VCRs and tube TVs at Best Buy part time. <laughs> tube TVs? Dude, round TVs. There's no flat screens. Yeah, yet, yeah. right? They weigh and like so, 100 pounds. <laughs> no, they weigh like 300 pounds. They're, the VCRs weighed, weighed 100, 100 pounds. pounds. <laughs> and so... Um, but oh, I God. showed up, I showed up to work on time. I didn't smell bad and I was like getting promoted, you know, within three months I became a supervisor a year and a half later. I became an assistant manager. Two years later, I became a GM. And then two years after that, I became a district, uh, services manager. And then like, like literally before I knew it, I was just exploding. Right. And, and I was traveling a lot and being provided a lot of things, but no matter what my disease dictated my actions and, um, I was I was full blown at this point in time. What were you using? Just weed or no? Have we, no, have it was, we gone on to oh, very stuff? much. So funny story. I can actually count on one hand how many times I've smoked weed. Oh wow! Yeah, because first time epic, right? Like I said, <laughs> flying yeah. off the of sand dunes. Second time, not so epic. Third time, full blown panic attack. But like a good addict, I went back for a fourth, yeah. right? How was and it, fourth? Fourth was the worst, right? <laughs> Until I got to five. And then five was, I, I'm just done, right? Like I just, and I knew I could disassociate with alcohol or benzos or whatever, which were my two main go-tos. Gotcha. Opiates if I had them for sure, right? Um, but uh, ultimately my go-tos were alcohol and benzos. And- were you that, being prescribed those? Was there a specific so, thing? No, you know, alcohol was it throughout college, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I started experiencing like crazy panic attacks. So my son was born in 2007. And right before he was born, I start, I was, I was running a store. Um, I was super anxious, started experiencing panic attacks. So my doctor, my regular doctor prescribed me um, Xanax. And I had no idea that I, I was so naive to them. So I used as prescribed, but I also mixed them and, and I was still drinking all the time. And so what I didn't realize is that my panic attacks were induced by my body detoxing from the alcohol when I couldn't yeah. drink them, right? Yeah. DTs and whatnot. So um, quickly it became like, I need a refill. I need a refill going to other doctors. I, I started going to the store and buying bottles of Robitussin for DXM because it was like I something and my wife couldn't smell it on me. You know what I mean? And just, it was something right. Yeah. Anything not to feel normal. Right. 
Um, and I don't, uh, uh, there's a lot of reflection involved in, was that a matter of being able to control or numb? Because quite honestly, I wasn't numb. I was in pain, but I controlled the pain and that's where it came from. So, but when my son was born, he was born really sick and we didn't know if he was going to make it. Oh, man. And so during that time is when the light switch kind of went from a happy go lucky daily habitual drinking and using Brian to how quickly can I black out? and not feel the fear of potentially losing a child or the guilt and shame that came along with not being there emotionally for my wife. I was, I was physically present, but I wasn't the, the husband, the man, the partner that she um, deserved and needed. Uh, I feel she, she probably never said that now that I think about it at the time, but I know in my heart of hearts, I could have done better. And that right. really drove me and, and gave me an excuse quite honestly to justify to myself why I was consuming the way that I did. He came home eventually and, and was perfectly healthy. He just turned 14 in February. Oh, shit. He'll be a freshman next year. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And I have officially won at life because he is taller than I am. Boom. <laughs> For our listeners, that's not saying much. I'm 5'5", five five, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah, a short yeah. dude growing up with, you know, being bullied and whatnot. You don't want that for your son. No, of course not. But he's a, he's a gem. And if he was, he would be just as perfect. But um, <laughs> so, you know, even when he came home, once I had flipped that switch, there was no turning back. And things went downhill quick in the family. And it didn't take long for that to become an issue. And through many ultimatums and through many um, threats, I finally checked into my first treatment program in 2011. And I went in, you guys, hand over heart, fully committed. I'm going to save my marriage. I'm going to save my mortgage, save my job, save my son. And I went in. Two weeks after I got there, I came down with bilateral pneumonia. Oh, man. I was intubated. I was in a coma for three days. They called in my wife and my mom um, to say goodbye. Right? Really? Yeah. Dude, and, man, uh, so you go do the right thing, and then you almost die from that? <laughs> yep. So I'm in the hospital. The, um, I, I wake up three days. I'm, I'm strapped down to a, a bed. You know, I have a tube in my throat. I can't talk. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out, right? Um, talk about anxiety. <laughs> no doubt. And the Ooh. nurses did everything in their possibility to not give me some sort of something because of my addiction and then also because of just the my body needed its strength to be able to fight right they didn't yeah. know if it was bacterial or viral but i just remember the doctor showing me scans and x-rays of my chest and he's like it just looks like a demon grabbed a hold like just complete whiteout of, uh, of my lungs yeah and um i was able to recover and really what happened and how they cured me was literally suctioning the fluid out of my lungs which is I have this fear of asphyxiation. Like it's always been kind of like my thing. It's horrible. And, and that's like literally suffocating what, is like, your yeah, biggest fear. Mine but too. The, and they're taking the air out of your lungs, like wow. by li- literally squeegeeing. And it was the worst thing ever. Um, and you were conscious for when they were doing all the that? time, oh, God, all the time bro. conscious, wow. not. Yeah. Yeah. Pin down, pin down. <laughs> yep. These are the type the of podcasts when I wish we did video so people could just like see your face as you're like, as I just went ghost. Yes, man. I was <laughs> awake the whole time. <laughs> it was horrible. You guys, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, but the doctors were amazing and I was, uh, discharged from the hospital and I didn't go home. I went straight back to rehab champion right um <laughs> until i got However, out of re- yeah, yeah until five days after i got out of rehab um and i relapsed Damn. and um you know if you take that journey and copy and paste or rinse and repeat between 2011 and 2016 
um, in and out of the ER, uh, detoxing, all the stuff, right? Mm. And um, all the lies that came along with it. At this point in time, my wife had a uh, had a, the nose of a bloodhound. So <laughs> I was pure pills and lying through my teeth. My my job was able to kind of support that because I traveled a lot. Yeah. But my work performance was going down and I had been recruited by Apple for a long time and I had friends that worked there and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm sucking at Best Buy. So um, this is my chance to get out. Right. So I did. I left Best Buy and went to Apple and I didn't work one day sober at Apple. Wow. No, not. And I was never sober one day at Best Buy, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I held it most of the time until either the end of the day or or bumps here and there. But um, at, at Apple, it was it was not good. And I was with Best Buy for 13 years and that culture was so ingrained in me and I, I loved it. I loved my time with Best Buy. And you could do it with your eyes closed. You didn't need to be 100% because you exactly. knew exactly what to do. Whereas you take that and go into Apple and all of a sudden you have to learn something new, but you're messed up. <laughs> so spot on. I, yeah. And I, I, I took all that for granted. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and, it, and it suffered. And so I left, uh, no, I got fired from Apple. I got fired from Apple because uh-huh. I, I was too drunk at work. Of course. Um, and uh, by this point in time, my marriage was done. And um, she was over it. She was over it. Yeah. But officially in February of 2016, she's like, we're done. And um, I wasn't working. I lost my house. We sold our house. Um, I didn't have any really place to live. I wasn't able to see my son really. Um, and so I had a friend from church that um, lived at the top of Mount madonna like in watsonville yeah um and i and i ended up spending (laughs) about three months there just withering away um nonstop. yeah in and out of the uh, drinking literally you guys know how isolated you can get up on those compounds up there oh yeah yeah i had like this own little downstairs unit isolated the only time i left was to drink and i popped benzos so i could drive right like and um and i he would take me to the er because i would have panic attacks for my body was just shutting down yeah and in a blackout one night i called my parents down in san diego to say goodbye um i don't remember the phone call but my dad vividly does I bet. and um according to him i said that i don't want to die but i don't think i'm going to wake up in the morning and i um that's heavy yeah and i said that my body was so broken and my spirit was so defeated that i just didn't have the energy to go on anymore well, he drove from San Diego overnight and found that me. That night? Yep. Mind That's like you. an eight-hour drive. Yep. And 37, my dad was 80, no, 37, 40, so 77. My dad was 78 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. At that 80, time? At that time. 70, wow. Yep. Dro- drove overnight, found me in Watsonville, and two days later, I was in a treatment center down in San Diego. June 21st, that'll be five years, you guys. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Coming up. Yeah. Yep, That's it's coming a milestone. Up. That's yeah. Great. And, you know, I went in um, I and that. there's there's two things that were that really differentiated this time for me versus all the other times I either sought help or was in treatment. And the first one is that I was finally able to go to treatment and make it about myself mm-hmm. and um, not the wife and the job. And, and the that house. was that was the, the hardest part. Yeah. That always was the hardest part for me because I said all those things, Dallas. I said I was doing it for me. Right. But my actions showed completely different. For sure. For me, unfortunately, it took losing all that to to visibly see how I do it for myself. Good news is not everybody's like that, right? That's why we share our experience, strength, and hope with people. Um, So 
I was able to do that. But the hardest part about that for me was is the second I got clear-headed enough to think or process thought or feel, the last thing I wanted to do was focus on me. Oh, All yeah. I wanted to do was fix. I wanted to fix the relationships I had broken, fix the feelings I had hurt, fix the business ventures that I'd busted, like you name it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, all those things that I would have fixed externally were gone. So I was able to dive deep into Brian. Um, the second thing is that I finally just got out of my own way and just started doing what people with more time than me or what my therapist told me to do. Um, I'd been to so many different um, programs in and out. I felt like I, I'm like, what are you going to teach me new? Um, and like kind of we were talking beforehand, yeah. I was just, you. Pro I probably could have gone to a county program of the Salvation Army and still got Hold sober this time yeah because i was just done i was you ready surrendered finally you took the word i was just about, I, and and i where i got sober was the 12-step program i'm not i'm a proponent for aftercare i love 12 steps i'm still a 12 step um but for me what it was was really just surrendering to a program and staying part of a community of like people where i could gain experience strength and hope and give experience strength and hope and that was the biggest thing for me. And that kind of, it, it, that was the first time I was introduced to rock recovery. You know, I was the nerd at treatment centers who always brought his ukulele or his guitar, you know, and, yeah. and here we are, I see this thing on the board that says rock to recovery. And I'm like, mind you, I couldn't even hold a pencil or a pen for like the first 30 days. Cause my DTs were so bad. I thought we were going to go out and pick river rocks and paint them and tell Kumbaya <laughs> stories. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're like, no, you're going to love it. We're going to have music and it's going to be epic. Like and um, rocks to recovery, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, actual rocks. Rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. And um, and so obviously it quickly became my favorite part of the week. And and our 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 program administrator facilitator's name was Christian, and it was amazing. And I completely got it because I'm the type of musician where the only time I'll pick up my guitar or play piano by myself is if I have a show coming up or if I'm writing. Like I, which I really don't do that much like to practice to jam on my own I don't it's, it's not where I find my joy my joy comes in sharing the experience with someone else gotcha. and so I to am with CrossFit right yeah, yeah. I don't the do motivation. it on my own but I'll love yeah, just one person uh, and I'm good yeah. I'm the same way with cooking yeah if it's just me dude we're having yeah. McDonald's you know yeah. <laughs> but if the if you know the the girlfriend's there we're having steaks we're having this and that we're getting crazy with it yeah I want to share it with her exactly I don't care it's it's the experience. Yeah, it's the experience. One hundred percent. And um, so I, the the concept of bringing the healing power of music to a non musician was mind blowing to me um, and epic. And when I left that program, um, I moved into a sober living. And part of that sober living's uh, rules, I guess you could say, was we had to attend a morning AA meeting six days a week. And it turned out that that morning AA meeting was this was the home group of this guy Christian that ran Rock to Recovery. So the first me I'm like, whoa, we hug it out and see him, you know, because we had kind of built some rapport. And um, at the end of the meeting, they always say, you know, anybody willing to sponsor, please stand up. And he didn't stand up, and I was pissed. Damn, because yeah. you knew he, he was. I, a I sponsor? was like, uh, yeah. So I still <laughs> I, I court I cornered him. I cornered him after group, and I asked him, Why didn't you stand up? And he said yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he said yes, and um, and took me to Jared. Oh, um, <laughs> and so, um. And we got deep in the work, you guys. And I knew at this point in time, I, I had no ambitions of um, 
going back to what I was doing work-wise, uh, didn't need to make that kind of money. I didn't want that kind of stress or that, that, that lifestyle. Well, and it's so hard for me to picture you in that corporate world. Yeah. Oh, I fit in I'm good. really glad yeah. you have that like I thought that good. I don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, but I didn't need to as well. Yeah. And to, to kind of have that alleviated was really crucial to my recovery. Like the thought to like, just be open and see what's next. As long as my recovery is first, I have to believe that something good will happen because I know if it's not, I can guarantee something bad will happen. The option for good only exists if my recovery comes first. And that's what I did. Yeah. And I ended up going back to school um, to become uh, through CCAP, KDAC, mm -hmm. um, which I'm testing out here relatively Ooh, soon for my KDAC 2, which nice. I'm super yeah. excited on. Yeah, it's and, a and like a lot, well, well and there's a lot of people in our industry that have the hours and then go to school, right? For me, I went in and did the school before I had any hours. And so that's why it's taken me so long. four years yeah. to build up 6,000 hours of right. practicum, you know what I mean? Right. Um, which has been fantastic. So, um, you know, I went in, did that. No ambitions of joining Rock to Recovery at this point in time. Really, I my my draw to Christian was is there's this man that can potentially lead me through the program. And um, so after I had about eight months of sobriety, he and our other, the lead down there, Brandon um, Parkhurst, who is my brother and dear friend, um, uh, had mentioned the growth of Rock to Recovery and needing to bring on another person. And so he... Um, uh, started talking me up to Wes, a uh, former guitar player for Korn, who's our founder and president and CEO and all those fancy titles, um, well-deserved. And, and just a super cool guy. He's like <laughs> my brother, my family. I love him. I love yeah. like our team. I, I could do a whole podcast about me just talking about our How cool you know, the are. 13 yeah. people. How awesome and, they yeah, are. It's amazing. Um, and so uh, after about a year of sobriety, I joined Rock to Recovery. Um, and after I met with Wes, though, I told him, I don't know when, but... I'm going to be moving back to Northern California to be with my son. And unlike a lot of jobs that would have said, okay, then we're probably not going to hire you or we're not going to bring you on. It just doesn't make sense. Wes said, rad, let's develop a plan. And that's when I knew I had, I had struck gold. And we did. We developed the plan where I stayed in Southern California for another year, learned the ropes, and then um, packed up my bags and moved up on June 5th of 2018. And 30 days later, I was doing my first Rock to Recovery group in Northern California at Elevate. Yes. Uh. Which was also, by the way, my two-year sobriety day. Wow. Same day. So in case you guys want to know, the first day of Rock to Recovery at Elevate was June 21st, 2018. Wow. Wow. That is good to know. Yep. That was one hell of a time. I can't believe it's been that long. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm like, wow, where did where, the time go? <laughs> dude, where does the time go? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, wow. Okay. Well, so you, super honored that we we were your guys. You guys were the first sessions. Yep. Yeah. First group up here, and yeah, I just I remember touring with you and meeting you know with Jeremy and everybody touring it with Wes and just looking over the valley, going, yeah, this could this could be rad, yeah. you know. And um, we were How able cool to do is it two too? groups. You're like, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. I was gonna wait, but I just start talking anyways. Do it. <laughs> How cool is it that it was like at Mount Madonna too? Right, like, just literally down the hill from like, yeah, where irony. I was strung out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. From going like to fully dying to fully living. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. Yeah. It was cool because uh, I, 
every time I'd come see you guys, and just like I did this morning, I'd drive past that little turnoff to go up the back up the hill to wither away, you know, and um good time to reflect of how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the best feeling, you know? It is. Yeah. Just like to reflect on the growth and, and then you like you're telling the story, but then it's hard not to reflect while you're telling it too and just Wow. It all is that, all that happened? It <laughs> did. And and you know, I I try to be careful with sharing the story in the sense that for what I do on a daily basis, I get to share my journey often. The last thing that I ever wanted to do is become mundane or insignificant or a script. Yeah. Um, because there's potentially someone out there that could hear that message that could res it could resonate with. Um, for me, I'd been in and out of the rooms for so long. And uh, the thing that stuck with me this last time around, that is still kind of like my mantra today, I had heard a million times before. Mm -hmm. But the time that I needed to hear it, it resonated with me. And it's so simple, you guys. It was not all thoughts are facts. Love that and one. like when it resonated with me, like it still gives me chills. Now it was just like mind blown. You know what I mean? Because for me in my head, um, I'm the worst human being there is, you know, mm -hmm. and I really learned a strategy to talk to myself like I would talk to my son with forgiveness, with with understanding, with unconditional love and compassion and I would never call my son a POS or say you're worthless. You know what I yeah. mean? Why do, why do we allow ourselves to do that to ourselves? And, and I had built up that muscle, that negative self-talk muscle so much supplied it with steroids for years. Mm -hmm. I just had to learn to atrophy it. Yeah. Right. And, and slowly build up this other muscle and fuel it with positivity. And the way you do that is, you surround yourself with people like the two people I'm sitting at the table with right now, Angie and Dallas, like you surround yourself with other people that can do that, you know, and part of, part of what we do in, and I want to make a disclaimer, I'm going to use the term music therapy, but I'm not a music therapist, rock to recover. We're not, we're experiential therapists where some of us have KDAX or KDs or things like that. But what we do is so unique and unlike anything else. But when it does come to music therapy, um, and what I also talk to a lot about some of the kids that I work with is, is like, what does your playlist look like? How much negativity are you surrounding yourself with? You know, and I know it sounds cheesy, but so often and that's OK. There's a time and place for that. Lord for knows sure. that like we channel that emotion <clears throat> from music. But what else are you doing to supplement and build that positive mental attitude muscle? Dude, I love that. That's yeah. a that's a huge takeaway, too. I mean, I can think in my life how important music has been in feeling again, you know, good, right. bad, and ugly. So what a, what a great question It's like, what are you guys listening to? Mm -hmm. Would it make sense that maybe you feel a certain way? Cause you listen to this stuff. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, and, create? and, and quite honestly, in abundance, it can make us feel a certain way that we don't want to feel. And then what do we do? We numb up yep. or we disassociate. That can either be self-harm, it can be addiction, it can be whatever, right? It can be binge eating. Like there's so many different things that we do to surround ourselves with, with it that in abundance or, you know, whatever can cause us to go downward and yeah. self-medicate. So true. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that's why I was so drawn to Rock to Recovery because I've, 
I am so moved by music, yes. good, bad. You know, if I'm angry, I put on some really hard stuff. Yeah. If I'm in the fields, let me listen to some nineties. Like <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. Like I, I really resonate with music. I love it. And I'm not a musician. And I loved when I was meeting with you and Wes and I said, well, what about our clients? If they're not musicians, are they going to get anything out of this? Or is it just going to be awkward and weird? But there's so much that they get out of it. Once you can get them out of the shell to even just move that little tambourine or yep. do something like that. It's astounding. It is. And, you know, the the grumpy people that are coming still detoxing or like, I can't tell you how many times a day I hear, I'm not musical. I have no rhythm. There's not a music bone in my body. When you were three years old <laughs> and a song came on, what did you do? Dance. You danced. You started bobbing. You and, and were you dancing on beat? Maybe, but maybe you weren't. And who cares, <laughs> right? We're all this vibration of of music, and that's what we're trying to tap into with Rock to Recovery is that childlike spirit where there's no judgment involved. We get people singing that feel like they can't sing, and and quite honestly, and I'm not going to bash on pop culture because or pop music because I love it, but like this this idea of pop music and and this auto-tuning and everything has really taken away from our tribal instincts of song you know and aboriginals back in the day like you think about that there was no judgment when it came to rhythm and music it was done because well we know now clinically oxytocin in the brain right all these endorphins right yeah, the yeah. healthy things that that can do it but but there's also a spiritual aspect to that that um you know, just just from a church standpoint, how many people go to church and now when songs are playing, they dim the room, right? So people feel more comfortable to sing. Mm -hmm. um, as they opposed do to, do that. Yeah, it's 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 an it's an inherent. You know, you feel less judgment. Vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to <clears throat> lights on and you know, so um, that's it's kind of like my take on that. For sure. No, I love that. I think what that comes what that brings up for me too is like. The experiential therapy side of mm -hmm. it, like you were talking about, it's like the therapy comes from the experience of participating. Exactly. I don't want to say regardless of what it is, because I can yeah. think of some things that you probably shouldn't participate in yeah. uh, to, get, <laughs> to not get therapy out of. But for me, like in Elevate, I'd always give the orientations of the program. And people are like not. They're very isolated when they get to treatment. They're not trying to participate. They're not trying to be seen. They don't want the world to see them. Good point. So to be seen in any activity is already this like massive jump. Right. And so that's what I was kind of hearing you say where it's like, dude, when you were three years old, you didn't care. Why didn't you care? Yeah. You know, you weren't judging yourself. You were right. just, it's okay to be you right. in whatever you're doing. Right. So I love that that's what happens with the music. Cause yeah. if I put myself in a rock to recovery group, I'm the guy that's like, dude, I ain't a dancer. I ain't a mover. I ain't a shaker. You yeah. know, like yeah. I'm just here to, I'm here to listen. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, Observe. And, yeah. There, yeah. And, and quite honestly, um, there are no observers in rock to recovery. Uh, that's the magic. Yeah, that's it, the it magic. is. It really is like, you know, and, and we're getting ready to release a book. Um, nice. it's been sent off to, uh, the, Publishing people. Yes, it's it's done. It's done. I just heard from our VP of business development. Um, she's our PhD, Constance Scharf, and Wes wrote this book. Been years in the process. Legitimizes so much of the work that we're doing, um, and we're super excited about that. And it, it's it encompasses client stories and the process and stuff like that. And 
um it is it's it's the vortex of radness as west likes to say where it just this feeling and this magic takes over where it's hard to quantify and that's why i was so thankful that you were willing to like give us a shot at elevate where you could witness it so many people were like so what do you do okay in the simplest of terms we form a band and we write a song really just watch yeah a new one every single time every single time <laughs> just watch amazing and this person who's poop in their bed at night throwing up because of their detoxing they can't move they can't you get them in the room with us and watch them they transform completely into a different person and you know those are my favorite my favorite are, are the grumpy old people or grumpy young people or whatever that just sit their arms folded don't want to participate and and next thing you know they're holding a shaker that's a big step, right? Yeah. And 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 they're just feeling included and we're slowly checking in with them. And next thing you know, they're shaking the shaker every once in a while. And then the, like half the smile comes up. And <laughs> by the end of the group, they're singing on the chorus with everybody, you know. And and then I get the like the puppy dog ears at the end. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Uh. You know, and I'm just like, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. And that's why Thank you, you do for, it, you know. for bringing that that light to me because, you know, as you guys know, in the work that we do, we are surrounded by darkness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I remember going back to school for this and like literally the whole first semester was about self-care and what are you doing to stay as a positive light in, in the world? And um, again, to me, it comes back to surrounding myself with other other addicts and and whatnot which seems kind of counterintuitive right because we're in the darkness but to know you're not alone brings so much light and yeah. the stories that we hear on a daily basis are heartbreaking and um so painful to witness this other human being going through that that you i mean i hear stories as you have that where you're just like that's not possible to have in somebody's life but you're still here and right. that's um, and look where you are in your journey, you know, and it's it's unreal, and that inspires me so so much more than the negative could ever bring me down. Is that where you found your true purpose? Is is through giving back? Like yes, that's that's part of your journey now. One hundred percent. So so I'm I'm very deep in my faith, and like for me, um, service has always been part of my life in some way, shape or form, like growing up, giving back that type of stuff. Like I've always been called to that. I find value in helping others. Yeah, of course. I have to watch that because call it codependency, right? Like yeah. things like that. You get but super invested, super invested. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of times, you know, it's that as long as it's not a detriment, it's very healthy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I knew before anything came of Rock to Recovery, I knew that I wanted to be of service and I wanted to study this disease that had had its grips on me. So that's what took me into the addiction world to become an addiction specialist, all that type of stuff. When the opportunity for Rock to Recovery came along where you're telling me I could take my advocation and my vocation and make them one. I like the language there. How do I, how do I sign uh, <laughs> Sign me up tenfold, right? Yeah. And, um, but yes. And to be part of a group of like-minded individuals that are doing the same thing. Exactly. Like, that's amazing. But even, even as 
even as a leader at Best Buy or Apple, even in my haze of my disease, um, I always considered myself a servant leader um, where my role was to make other people's lives better. I don't know why I gravitate towards that, but even if I don't get recognition and thanks from someone, I know inside that I've brought positivity into the world, right? And that's that's for me where I, I find my my strength and that's what I gravitate towards. Early on in my life, it was very material. Yeah, right? of course. Um, and don't get me wrong, I would I would love to live beyond comfortably and, and whatnot, but like even with that, like and finances and money and we could go into I'm a Dave Ramsey guy, so nice, feel nice. free to yeah. dive in. But <laughs> you know, I haven't had a credit card since I was 27. No debt, la la la. I'm, I've been very blessed and smart with with finances. You know what I mean? So like, when it comes to money, that is not a stressor for me. I know it is for a lot of people, and for I sure. never discredit that. Um, but to alleviate one of those stressors allows me to put that energy into something else. Yeah, back in somewhere else. Yeah. Dude, that is awesome. I'm yeah. getting fired up right now, Brian, just from hearing this <laughs> stuff, dude. Like, I know. I'm ready to go play some music. Yeah. We should have. We should have had like a little... I we got My car. I have all my gear in my car. A little jam. Especially knowing me and Dal are those guys that would never pick up an instrument when dance. We are those people. I would I love think, to see if you could work your magic on us. I don't know because I remember <laughs> plenty of a holiday chocolate pictures that we gave you guys, right? And yeah. we'd take the pictures with Angie holding the guitar and it just looked so natural. It felt so it natural. It looked so natural natural so <laughs> it felt so good <laughs> yeah dude i love that well i think the reason i'm like real fired up right now is because like i love hearing people like living out their purpose you know because i think a lot of people like don't get that experience or yeah. a lot of people spend so much time looking for what that is so when you hear someone just saying like like the idea of like you know if you love what you do you'll never work another day in your life type yeah. of thing like just hearing that and just like watching you express that and experience that is just such a cool feeling you know i appreciate that of course i appreciate that a lot because there are plenty of days where it still feels like work mm -hmm. and that's just a reality and i don't know if that statement that you said because i subscribe to that but the older that i get and the more time i put in like Sometimes work is work and that's okay. It's true. <laughs> that's true. It's 100 percent I can attest right? to that. And um so what else are you doing with your life then? Right? And and if it's outside of work, great. Or if it's just a phase you're going through, that's normal too. But like what's the underlying purpose behind what you're doing? You may not get that joy and fulfillment every single time. There are sessions that I do where I walk out and go, Oh my gosh, I am not qualified to do this. Mm -hmm. There's no way. I am I am qualified to do this. And then there's sessions wa I walk out of and I'm like, I am the best at what I do. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know what the truth is? Neither. Mm -hmm. Neither of them is the truth. And um, that's that's where staying recentered, refocused, practicing some sort of mindfulness on, on a regular basis is so key to stay close to the truth where not all thoughts are facts. Not all right? thoughts are facts. And... Um, whether that's a mantra, whether that's whatever, just how we incorporate that into our lives. For for me, it's become second nature now. Like I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. But it took a long time. It took out of my almost five years of sobriety. I would say that this is probably like within the last two years, something that I'm not constantly thinking about. 
But when I do my daily reflection or practicing a 10th step or things like that, I recognize that behavior that took place earlier. And that gives me like a little pat on the back or whatever for, for that effort. Right. But yeah, you bring up a great point because like for the, the work that we do, um, I do feel like this is not a job. 99% of the time, this is not, I mean, I carry my guitar into work. Right. Um, the music's the medicine. I'm not right. I'm a. I feel like I'm a catalyst to yeah, it. Yeah, you're a facilitator. Yeah, for and sure. and um, I feel very fortunate enough to be able to have the skills and the education to be able to bring it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not about me, and that's the beauty of all this. It's not. It's so much about just who's in the room and the clients and and the environment in which we choose to create. It's. I love it. I do too. And that, it, it's, it's so, it's so crazy to hear, right? Cause when we make it about us, then we're the best or we're the worst. Yeah. And if we don't make it about us and we just purvey or just give the music to them to do what they need with. Yeah. And step back. Like that's a win, you know? And it's when a you, big win. Yeah. It's a huge win. And as like a counselor and like, that was all I did. Right. I just counsel people every day, day in, day out. And the sessions where, I was like, am I the worst or am I the best? Did I save them? Did I not save them? I'm just like, dude, that doesn't matter, yeah. you know? And those were the days that I enjoyed work the most when it was like, dude, this isn't about you. Yes. This isn't about you. Like, how can I help them? How can I be of service? What can, how can I show up for them today? And I just take me out of the equation. Those are some of the best days at work. Yeah. Some of the best ones. Yeah. It's all that ego. We work so much <laughs> on not having the ego or it be part of what we do or how we do it. But kind of learned. I mean, not no offense, I, I but I feel learned, like yeah. musicians. There's there's some ego there, especially ones that have become famous and as they should. They've earned that right. You know, there's right. a certain image they have to give off. So I can imagine getting sober. There's a lot of sort of checking that that you have to do because a lot of it is just image of You're ego, so and there's really a lot of like you know inferior feelings inside. There is, and a lot of that is um, perceived ego. You right. Know, when when I, I can count on and you. You bring up a point Dallas and I were talking prior prior to recording about the ego and even the ability to find somebody suitable to do the work that Rock to Recovery does. You have to have been a professional musician, somewhat famous. You have to have been a junkie or alcoholic or whatever and be sobri- be sober for an extended period of time. Most importantly, you have to be able to let go of yourself and realize it's not about you. And the way that we do that is we find people strong in their program Mm -hmm. because we know people strong in their program can let go of that, you know? And from what I find with clients a lot of times is back to your other point was, is that I, the ego, I'm not, I'm not portraying the ego. It's almost as if just that title is inherent to the ego right so then the clients there's this um i'm forgetting the clinical term for it um transference yes counter transference and transference thank you i got you bro. um i <laughs> appreciate that so much but there is there's this transference of of it to where i have to be very aware to accept that but redirect into yeah, the, the the appropriate direction where again it's i'm just a band member and you're just a band member. Yeah. We've right. both been through our struggles with addiction and we're going to write a song and we're going to have a rad time doing it. 
God, and I promise that. you, you'll feel better in, in an hour and a half than you do right now. So let's 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 talk about that. That's the journey. Yeah. Like, how do we take these people who are insecure and and don't want to pick up an instrument and only want to observe? Tell us, walk us through an hour and a half of how yeah. we get to where we get to at the end of it. I think so much of it starts with creating a a, um, a conducive environment to that. You, you'll notice when we set up, we're in a circle, right? Um, and we have things laid out accordingly. Um, we get people sitting down comfortable. And we start with a check-in. And that check-in um, really starts with our journey as a facilitator. The first thing we do is give a rundown of who Rock Tree Recovery is, yeah. who we are, what we do, why we do it. And then we as program administrators share our journey, just like I did at the beginning of the podcast, you know, and to know that in this environment, I'm, I'm just another band member. I'm, I'm one of you. And there's really nothing off limits here when it comes to asking questions or, or being vulnerable. So a lot of that is, I guess, leading, leading by example, right? Um, and then we open it up to the group and, and we start with a check-in and that check-in question be, um, something as simple as like, what is the lie your brain tells you? Or it could be what, when, when you feel loved, what does that look like? And it, and, and the responses I hear are all over the map. Sometimes it's as simple as somebody, um, listening to me, somebody, um, giving me a hug, right? Or or it yeah. could be something profound. Um, but once we go through that check-in process and get everyone talking, right? Um, at least s- speaking out loud. Believe it or not, just getting somebody to talk out loud in public is is huge for them, right? Um, and what we do is we we get everybody on an instrument. Everybody in the room is on an instrument, whether that's the keyboard, a guitar, a bass, a microphone, a drum, a shaker, the tambourine. Um, Somebody, everybody is holding something. They're engaged with something. And we, I, we just start jamming, believe it or not. Like I'll just, <laughs> I'll, uh, even without like a, a context or, or a, a subject in mind, um, I'll start drums and I'll write on the keyboard some notes to play in which order. If you can't count to four, we'll go to three. If you can't count to three, we'll go to two, right? Like literally <laughs> it's just... So you're going to push those in order. And, yeah. and, and all I want you to do is follow the drums and count to four. One, two, three, four. And Man, what, ha- what like happens? like I could even do that. You can. Anybody can. <laughs> anybody can. And that's the beauty of it. Or on a guitar, I'll give you one string to play. Or on a drum, you just, l- l- just feel it, right? But as long as we are all succinct to that electronic drum beat and we're counting to four, we're not future tripping about tomorrow and we're not depressed about yesterday mindfulness right we're yep. present in the moment oh yeah and, and 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 so that slowly starts opening people up and and that mini jam session at the beginning most likely isn't even going to be our song it's just to get noise it's to get the plane off the ground to get people participating and yeah. active and then we start getting people involved in some lyric writing what do we want to do and a lot of the times our lyrics come from our checking question right so i like that lies yeah. our brains tell us right and and so we give people that. And a lot of times if if people need like staring at a blank sheet of paper is very daunting. So I might get them off the ground with, OK, use the word dream in a sentence. Nice. Last night I dreamed I was alive. I work. Perfect. First line of the song. Go. Right. Yeah. And then and then you, there's different strategies that we have that we've accumulated over the years of doing this that can help keep the flow going. Right. 
And as they're doing that, we're starting to figure out what kind of song are we going to do? Are we going to do reggae? Are we going to do hip hop? we can do punk rock? we can do classic rock? I mean, whatever the group decides, there's no right or wrong. And as a facilitator, I'll come up with a progression. Um, sometimes we're very fortunate to have other musicians in the group, right? Where I empower them 100%, you know, what's on your mind. And often those musicians are very timid. Oh, I don't know how to play very much. And then they shred 10 times better than I do, <laughs> right? Which I love, but you don't find out until they come out of their shell a little bit. So yeah. we got to give them that space. Mm -hmm. And okay, jam these chords for me, you know, and, and we'll do that. And then I got the keyboard going and then I'm checking in with everybody as we're doing this, right? Bouncing between individual people, making eye contact, getting them to speak. Yeah. Even, even if they're not singing or whatever, getting them vocal. Uh, what we're trying to do is just get that oxytocin in the brain, which not only helps throughout the therapeutic process, but it opens us up to different modalities of treatment throughout the rest of the day. Yep. And so we're tapping into that. And I'm checking with the lyricists and, okay, we start building the structure of a song. Okay, we got either four or eight lines per verse. Okay, let's work on a chorus now. Our chorus, we want anthematic. Our chorus is our kumbaya moment. Or as our friend in Nashville, my brother Phil, who is our program administrator out there, um, he, they call it the gang sang. <laughs> the gang sang. And we want it to be one or two lines, something that anybody and everybody can sing along, right? Don't stop believing. Right, whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. It's, right? Yeah. It's the anthem part. And and what I'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll get that going and then I'll just play it kind of like real lightly on my guitar and we'll get the group singing it, right? And we'll figure out a place to put that moment in the song, either like as a breakdown or at the end. But what you'll notice is that even when we're doing the regular chorus throughout the song, people without microphones are still singing. And that's the best. Whether you have a microphone or not, if you're singing, you're humming, you're getting the juices flowing. And it just slowly comes together to where we have eight to 16 lines for a verse. We have two to four lines for a chorus. We piece it together, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, end, boom. And then we have probably 15, depending upon the group and, and whatnot, um, 15 minutes to run through it a couple times and then we record and we record and we push play and if we mess up in the recording we keep it nice it, it's not a, and, and i remind them throughout the process and this is especially for the musicians that are in the room because like oh i totally jacked up yep you know what so did i and four years from now when you go back and listen to this song on soundcloud you're gonna laugh at that and you're gonna love it just like i do on the 21st of every month when <laughs> i go back and listen to the songs that i did when i was in treatment you know what i mean um because that's not what it's about the whole reason why we record the song, bless you if you go out and get signed off of it, but the whole reason <laughs> why we do it, right, is to timestamp our experience, to be able to reference that feeling that we had at that point in time, to know that I could be throwing up from DTs or I could be super depressed because I'm in the middle of a divorce or I just got kicked out of my house, but for that hour and a half when I was playing music, I was in a safe space and I felt good, right? That's proof. That's proof because our mind plays tricks on us. Our mind romanticizes the negative aspects um, it, or it can actually make the negative aspects go away and romanticize the good aspects of our disease, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and so how do you quantify that? And why recording it and being able to reference it at any point in time, no matter how dark in a, a spot that we're in, we can go back and listen to it and say, I remember no matter what my mind's trying to tell me right now, I remember I felt good at that time. And that gives me hope. I love that.
we, make it real. And, and I think that we had a graduate on the other day and that was like his words of advice is like the whole time I was there, I was like, oh, got to get out of here, get through this, get through this. And now I look back and I was like, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. And I love how it, with you, they have this piece that they could go back and listen to and just sort of relive yeah. that moment of how much they enjoyed it and, yeah. and not feel regretful about it, but feel really good about it and empowering as well. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, think about it. The one of the, if we do a brand new song, like you said, Angie, we do a brand new song every week. Think about how many things you started while in your disease or in your addiction that you never finished. So many. Like days, every day, like, right? I would start something, not finish it, whatever, right? That's why we we commit to a brand new song every week because we we want that accomplishment. I love it because I looking back, you know, we I would watch I from the door, I yeah. would watch the clients and, and watch the groups and the, everyone has a their own band name. Yep. And there would almost become rivalries about whose band was better. We were supposed <laughs> to have a band. Better. That's right. We were supposed to have one between the staff and the clients. Oh, man. To be continued. Absolutely. To be continued. <laughs> That's right. We were supposed to have a battle of the bands. We could still do it. We, we definitely could. We're all alive. There's still time. Yes. <laughs> there's still there's time. Always opportunity. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny for a second. I was like, you were talking and I went into this like vision of like, I feel like I'm listening to the audiobook of the movie school of rock. Oh, and like for a second you turned into Jack black, <laughs> dude, just like leading the it. clients into like music, you mm -hmm. know? And I couldn't shake it. I was like, I gotta name this. Like yeah. I just can't <laughs> unsee this right now. I love that. I love that. And I love that movie. It's an amazing movie for. Yeah. I remember so going much. to the bathroom because I'd be I what a weird way to start the story. But <laughs> <laughs> from my office, I would walk to the bathroom and on the way to the bathroom was the experiential room where Brian would do rock to recovery. And you always knew it was rock to recovery day because a you could hear it and B you could almost feel it. I mean, you could feel it like because you'd hear it as well. Yeah. Um, but then I'd always make it a point to go to the bathroom and then when I come out of the bathroom, just kind of watch, you know, and I would just watch and smile because yeah. you could see what you were just talking about. You could see that they were all feeling happy, that yeah. they were all existing in that moment and that things were OK. Yeah. And like you kind of said earlier, like for people in addiction, like. It's not OK to be them, you know, and so to unlearn that in real time is like just infinite value in that moment. Yeah. So I just had to call that a spade a spade too, and 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 say I remember like, um, like viscerally that feeling, just looking in and smiling, and they're smiling, and I can also remember looking in and people being like, oh shit, like that guy's watching us now, and I'd be like, all right, I'll leave, so you can yeah. like get back to like being okay, you yeah. know? Yep. And and you know you bring up a good point too, where I often we do try to encourage staff if they can to participate sometimes because you might see the client be that way but then all of a sudden a staff member comes in they're like oh no i'm not musical i'm not this and i'm <laughs> like really what about these guys here who are detoxing shitting their bed sorry if i poop their beds at night and um you know throwing up and can't even sit still and uh they're participating you know and really it creates this vulnerability for staff and oh then yeah and then that therapeutic bond we're all staff human member yeah. and the client and you have you to lead guys. by example you can't expect yeah. them to do something yep. you're not willing to do yeah. so it kind of puts you on the spot as it a does. staff member to yep. to put up yeah or shut up. and that's all that's always fun <laughs> that's always fun.
God, I love Especially that. at Elevate, because you guys have a ton of musicians on staff. We do. <laughs> yeah. We do. I, I love how also the parallel, and this is one of the things we bonded with right away, is the mindfulness, mm-hmm. you know, where yes. you have to be in the moment at that time and how freeing that is yeah. to just be in the moment and not be in the past or the future. And that's a big part of Elevate, and it's also a big part of Rock to Recovery, which it is, is amazing. And, 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 you know, I am one that struggles with, meditation i love it i am a huge proponent of it but for me i struggle with because my my brain and it's probably because i don't practice enough and i i understand that i've been able to find other ways to supplement that journey for me though and part of that is with music and the reason being is is because as i meditate and my mind begins to wander I can that can I can catch that in five seconds sometimes and bring it back to breath, or I'll go ten or fifteen minutes sometimes and be like, oh. you know. But with music, the second that I'm off beat, or I hear a client off beat, they're off beat. They hear it. They might not be musical, but they know they're not playing the right part anymore, and then I can help them get back on. So it's that, and then you're just back to the one. Wow. You know what I mean? So so there's that succinct beat that we're all locked into, and it's just another form, right? Um, and that's the beauty of it is, is yeah. Rock to Recover, we would never, ever claim to be the end-all, be-all. We're just a piece of the puzzle. Um, and, you know, same thing with, like, journaling. I, I cannot journal for the life of me. <laughs> but yeah. I will tell you to do it till the day I die because I understand – and I respect the benefits of it, right? And I've seen the benefits of it in other people. I've been able to find other things for my journey to supplement that, right? Of course. Um, so it's not always, you know, follow follow what I say, not what I've done. Yeah, well, and then there's no one size fits all. Some right. people, it's art, you know, that's why we yes. also have, you know, art. Some people can't do this or this, but they can the really do this. Yep. Or, yeah, they find their passion in exercise. Mm-hmm. And so... That's why I think it's really important just to have all these different avenues available oh, to, to find the person and meet them where they're at because they're going to be good at something. Right. And they probably don't even know what that something is because right. they've been away from it for so long. Yes. But yes. Uh, we'll hit it eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just creating an environment where people are open enough to be able to try those things. You know, yeah. To be able to find what is their, per yeah. se. And, and the, the beauty is, is that um, sometimes those, not sometimes, probably often, those things change over time. I've had plenty of people um, that I've been able to see either at meetings or connect with outside of group that two, three months, or even a year down the road finally picked up a guitar. You know what I mean? But had no ambitions of it when they got out because all they wanted to do was stay sober for the next day. Right, right. It, it, it was... It was that, that wasn't part of their journey to get there, but it was an option because they were exposed to it. I guarantee you it's the same thing with art and CrossFit or equine therapy, things yeah. that are offered out there from an experiential standpoint. Because, you know, nature, I said, my therapist taught me this, nature abhors a vacuum, meaning like if there's a space there, nature will fill it, right? How much time did our disease consume in our lives? All of it. It was a full-time job. <laughs> it was and a then full-time some. job, right? If I wasn't using, I was thinking about using. So now that we take that out, what are we going to fill it with? 
And I think that's why the experiential therapy is so critical to expose people to those options. Yeah. God, ain't that the truth? I love what uh, you said about like the buffer of music, like how it can just bring you back to the moment, like yeah. within one count. Mm-hmm. Because imagine if that was our lives. Imagine right. if we just only needed one count to just like come back to the moment and the breath. Yeah. We would all be doing some crazy shit right now. Right? We'd, be, we'd be on top of the world. We all three would be Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for like an hour and a half, you get to like experience enlightenment, you know? Absolutely. The other thing that was cool too, what you said, I think earlier was like the energy rock to re- recovery creates after like the ripple effect of it. And I can, you know, speak to that too of like the energy that comes into lunch, like after rock recovery is yeah. over, everyone goes to lunch and it just, it vibes out into the lunch line. Yeah. People are talking about it. And then the energy it brings into the next group, which is group therapy. Yeah. Like the walls are boom already down. I wish yeah. we could get Jen in here to be like, how was group therapy after rock recovery? Yeah. Like, were they smoked? Like, were they just, like, so tired and blown out? Yeah. Or did you just, like, jump right into trauma? Like, no barriers. No barrier to entry. Let's just chat. Yeah. Well, the bonding. I think think it's that. And the bonding. You know, you you have a band together. You go through this together, and you become closer together. Yep. So it it builds that affinity and camaraderie as well. It does, because kind of two-part. Going back to, like, okay, you're counting to four, takes one beat to get off. What's our human instinct um, when we mess up? Shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. And, yeah. and, and how do we express that? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And we stop. Yep. Yep. We stop. We stop playing. And, and very quickly, we redirect that behavior to don't ever give up on your band. Don't ever give yeah. up. Play through it. I'll hear it. I'll be able to course correct you back on time. But don't ever stop. Right. And, and how like, you know, how many live musicians mess up during a show and you never know as a fan? Probably all of them. Every time. Right. <laughs> but do you see a live musician up there playing going? Oh, No, no. What, they, they roll with it. Because the show part, must go on. It's part of the process. Right. And 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 our 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 band learns that throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And, and the beautiful part is you'll see. You know, two people at the keyboard, one person will mess up, and then you'll see the other person next to him go, get him back on, right? And yep. so to your camaraderie point, yep. boom, and, and we do see that. We see those walls come down, that partnership, the ability to be more vulnerable um, for talk therapy, group therapy, other things just really open up for the rest of the day. Wow. Yeah. I love that point, dude. Wow. Like, hey, let's just gloss over our mistakes and, like, get back into the present and make some improvement. Right. Well, and as we see, wow. people are more willing to do it for someone else than themselves. Oh, yeah. That's, exactly. the, that's the entry point. You know, they could be the worst addict ever, but if they think this person's relying on them, they'll, they'll do it. Right. And that teaches them, well, if you can be there for someone else, how do you now be there for yourself? And like you were talking True about story. earlier with the negative self-talk and how do yep. we build that up. And so it all works so well together to yeah. you know, building the whole person. Yes. Great point. Whew. Yeah, I'm still fired up over here, guys. <laughs> Me too. Like, I'm all perked up in my chair. <laughs> yeah, now. I'm like, wow. Okay, I'm fully alive right now. 
Well, so why don't we segue into what you're doing now, Brian, with The Rock yeah. to Recovery. Where are you guys at now? What does it look like? It's yeah, because unfortunately, pandemic. and you've probably heard in, in the way that we've talked, almost past tense, because of COVID restrictions and everything else, we had to sort of stop a lot of, well, we had to stop Experience, all of our yeah. uh, experiential and outside contractors and things like that, um, hoping to pick that up in you know, a couple months as things start to open up more. Yeah. So I know it's been a transition for you, for sure. For sure, for all of us. I remember the day it happened. Wes and our VP of Business Development, Dr. Constance Scharf, were in Bali. They were in Lucky. Bali <laughs> over there for a retreat. Part of Rock to Recovery, we had retreats that we would do um, where they would host retreats. And they're in Bali before the retreat, I believe, even started. Just getting ready. And... We were kind of pre-pandemic, but we had been hearing about it and all that type of stuff. And I remember one of our guys down in San Diego, our text thread for the 13 of us is nonstop all day. It's just us updates, talking, checking in with each other, funny stuff, whatever. Like, it's just, it's our, it's how we stay connected. Yeah. We're so remotely, right? So um, he puts on the thread, hey, I just got asked by one of my treatment facilities to do a group over Zoom. And I was like... Good luck with that, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how. And then our uh, L.A. director, Brandon Jordan, jumped on immediately. And he's like, guys, get ready. Get ready because this is probably what it's going to be. And I was just like, no way. And within a week, Wes and Constance rushed back. We were no longer doing in-person anywhere. Rock Rock to Recovery went all Zoom. And... It was intense, right? And to be able to manage that and to run this experiential group through a virtual, and we got really creative really fast. We developed a different curriculum, um, and we definitely lost some clients, for sure. A lot of clients on a hiatus and stuff, but um, we also gained a ton, like yeah. up here in Northern California. And I'm, I'm busier now than I ever have been. Um, Now I'm all back in person except for like three groups. But over the past year, learning to adapt, learning to use different programs, um, developing a more uh, curriculum based um, to be able to justify why we're still an essential part to a treatment program's um, curriculum. And so uh, I think we were able to navigate that incredibly. And because of the size of our company, we were able to turn on a dime and right. really activate and be proactive. I'm really proud of us as an organization on how proactive we were um, and how much Wes was able to sacrifice for us to support during this year to keep us employed. Yeah, um, huge. It is is just a testament to to the organization and and the people that are a part of the organization and how we've been able to do it, you know, and, and we still have some guys that are only zoom. Um, and we support each other with like, I'm at the point now where I can't even take on any more clients, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and I've been able to supply some other work to guys because those clients only want zoom right now. And so I have guys from LA doing clients up in Danville, you know what I mean? And that was the benefit of us. This right. also opened up opportunities to where we started doing lessons through Rock to Recovery over the pandemic. We started doing 
virtual work in states that we don't exist. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's really expanded our 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 reach. That's the irony of it, right? Like it did, yeah. Which happened for a lot of companies, I'm yeah. sure. But we we definitely took the challenge head on and I believe have thrived in in an environment that has been so decimated. I mean, you think about the food industry and the restaurants and some of the other places, you know, like has just been crushed. Yeah. And I feel like we've been able to position ourselves to still bring light and positivity and hope. Dude. Well, and that's who's done well is whoever's been able to immediately pivot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not get stuck in, oh my gosh, this is awful, but okay, how do we how do we survive through this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean group and connection and community, like all of that is essential. You know? So and like people like us that know the importance of it in our own personal recovery, let alone the fields that we work in, not having it isn't an option. Right? Like, that wasn't an option. It's not an option. Yeah. You're right. Like, I want to stay alive. It is not an option. Yeah. So how do we get creative and make it work? Yeah. And so, you know, Zoom sufficed. And, and now, you know, granted, this was, you know, frick, uh, 14 months ago, right. 13 months ago. It's It's cool to to be on the other side of the coin and being like, wow, like look at all these places, like the, the level of entry just became so much easier. And now all these places are like, dude, imagine what rock recovery could do in person. Yes. Let's get them in person. Yes. Now. And so I have clients up here that I have never met face to face yet. Wow. <laughs> wow. Three, three facilities, three facilities that launched during the pandemic that should be going back to in going in person, not back to in person for the first time in the next month or two. How cool is that? Yeah. And so that's, that's like the, the huge takeaway, you know, um, probably like a year, nah, I don't know, maybe like six months ago, we podcasted with Zane Helberg. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He essentially does comedy for treatment yes, centers. Yes. And he had the exact same experience where it was like, he was road tripping only in California because yeah. he's in LA and he would road trip around California and make like this big tour almost yeah. and hit like, 10 different treatment centers and they come home yeah. and like regroup and like eat food and like sleep in his bed <laughs> yep. and then like round up the comedians and like hit the town uh, in a month again. And when we talked to him, he's like, dude, I'm hitting like 50 treatment centers across the country. Just yes. our comedy shows. Yes. Just zoom, zoom, zoom in my fireplace, in my pajamas. That's so rad. And now they <laughs> all want so to rad. like fly out and like yeah. come hang out in person because they get to experience the zoom product right and then imagine it in real life dude you yeah. guys got to feel brian you can't just hear yeah. brian you know yeah so cool that's like the silver lining of the pandemic you know obviously there's a lot more than that but sure. for people like us it's like dude we're gonna recover you can't stop us that's right, that's right. we do recover <laughs> we do recover <laughs> yeah yeah, and if our past didn't get us down, this certainly isn't gonna right? get us down. This is not gonna take us out. No, we survived worse than this. No, no, yeah, I had a self-inflicted pandemic. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. What what is that pink line? We're not broken, just bent. Yeah, <laughs> time to straighten out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I love that, dude. In uh, the conscious recovery groups that we run, yeah, they, they make them uh, not they, but the, they facilitate the group. And a big thing that TJ Woodward wants is like. Uh, there's no fixing because we're not broken. Right. And they kind of, it's like this chant that they yeah. do. It's like, and, and, uh, like, why aren't we fixing? And the client's like, cause we're not broken. You know, yeah, that'd be a, a good chorus. It, done. 
Done. Done. <laughs> Done. Like Done. one of my favorite Pantera songs. i got it yeah Yeah. so much good stuff so so you're doing more work than ever and you're going to school so thankfully i'm done with school oh you finished everything yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's just i finished school before i moved up okay the two years i was in san diego Oh, but the cap training and all that it's just hours building my yes. hours. So my work counts towards my hours, yeah. right? So yeah. it's just a matter of documenting that. It's all been done. It's all been signed off. Um, my transcripts are sent in. Um, what am I waiting? I'm going through certamy right now on my checklist in my brain. Ah, same. So literally, <laughs> literally all I have left to do is to pay for my uh, ICRC exam mm-hmm. and take the exam. There we go. But they're a little backlogged in verification right now. So I got I got the green little bubbles, but not the check marks next to all of them yet cuz they haven't verified all of them yet, but everything else is um, is I know done. that experience. So my practicum, you know, 255 hours and then the schooling hours and then the 6000 hours is uh and my college degree because it's in communications didn't give me the discount. So I had to do the full 6000, not the 4000 hours. Oh man. Uh, which is fine. How does a college degree in communicating as a counselor not count? Because it's not a behavioral science. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of counselors that don't know how to communicate. So, yeah, I'm not going to say their names, but (laughs) I'm sure we've all met a couple of them, you know? Yeah. Dude. But you know what's an interesting point is imagine the experience of two years three years ago as a counselor compared to your, what you know now. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, I, to some degree, I like that the, 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 what it takes to become a KDAC. Mm -hmm. I like that. The, the calling for it is a lot of work because it is (laughs) the, the two years of sobriety to five years of sobriety. Mm -hmm. It's like night and day. Wow. Like I couldn't, I think of myself at two years sober being a counselor. I'm like, dude, just keep trying. Yeah. I was more of a cheerleader, like motivational coach, you know? Right. And now like seven years, it's like, we got some data. We have some skills. We have some books and some references and we know some things. And lots of experience. Seen a lot. Yeah. 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 I agree. So it's cool to kind of reflect on that. Like two year Brian versus five years Brian. Like, dude, you guys are getting the full package. Yeah. Because that's how I was. I, and I can't imagine what it'll be like even further down the road yeah where i'm at in my journey and reflecting on that is two-year brian would have lived in a bit of fear that Mm. i wouldn't have had an answer right now i don't fear not having the answer because i know that that's not what it's about you know what i mean and that's the beauty of it there is no fear of of somebody presenting a scenario where i i might not have an answer because it's not my answer. It's yeah. about the process and the journey and the network of people that I've been able to meet that can support in that process. Um, I can be asked a question and, or certain things. And I just, like you said, through the experience, I, if I don't have the answer, I know somebody who does, Yeah, you know, and, and quite honestly, there may not be an answer it may just be part of the process and the journey of, of what the next step is. Well, and that's the experience is having so much experience yeah. that you're comfortable saying that without yeah. feeling like you should know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. I know it's so how good. I feel about this, but 
what is what is my feelings about this have anything to mm-hmm. do with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, dude, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Why are you quit putting it back on me? <laughs> These are your problems. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to solve them, but I'm here to support you in solving them. What right. do you think feels right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> that's all experience. Like, like the, when I hear that, I'm like, that's all experience. And a new person would be trying to solve that problem for them. Self-care, <laughs> self-care. It's, yeah. it's kind of one of those things where you were talking about some of the best therapy sessions that you had right and the mm-hmm. energy and and i realized some of the best groups that i have are the groups where i talk the least yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean or if i'm not if if i don't have to play an instrument which usually doesn't happen because it just rhythmically and helps lead but there's plenty of groups where i don't play an instrument at all and there's enough there's a decent enough guitar player or piano player to kind of carry a melody yeah and then i can just focus in on the one-to-one contact with people and and keep going and those are some of the most magical ones, you know, where I, I, I talk the least and I just listen and observe and guide. Because you probably experience it the most at that point, because then you're almost in more of the experience rather than the facilitation. Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe Clements always would talk about yeah. that. The guy that'd come up and do mindfulness with us. Yeah. And he's, he's meditating with us, but he's also facilitating. Right. And he'd come up and do staff classes. And he'd be like, do you guys mind if I kind of just like meditate with you today? You know, mm-hmm. like we kind of just all sit in the silence. Yeah. And those were his favorite groups. You know, yeah. he would say it's like when he could just relax too. Yeah. You know, and not have to like facilitate or, or, or direct, yeah. you know, just be there with the experience. Yeah. So that was cool. I mean, he said a that. special moment too for, for everybody involved just to, there's, there's something very vulnerable and, and intimate about group meditation that and what I be my intimate is is the vulnerability aspect it's very um raw and can be so healthy there's trust right and boundaries yeah. and whatnot and it's just so powerful so much power in the group yeah the exactly. collective yep collective stream Wow, dude, this is this has been epic, man. Yeah. I'm uh, ready to go play an instrument, meditate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys ready for the day, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just ready yeah. to do all the things that have been working yeah. more. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just focus on those. Enjoy what we're good at. You know, know what we're not good at, but enjoy what we're good at and exploit the heck out of them. That's so true. Well, I think uh. You've highlighted Rock to Recovery beautifully, man. And I think, thank you for the opportunity for course, that, too. And of course. obviously, our love for Elevate is deep. So, yeah, no, it's deep. absolutely mutual, man. Like, yeah. the, you know, Elevate is, is, is huge in, like, we've kind of talked about and just showing that there's so many ways to get sober. Right. You know, there's so many different things. It's not one size fits all. And one of my big passions is this exact topic of, like, dude, look at all these cool things that are out there, you know, AA. Love it. Time and a place. Is it for everybody? I don't know. That's not for me to decide. Exactly. But know. rock to recovery. Is it for everybody? It could help for sure. Exactly. It, it, it won't. Could be you don't know everybody. if you don't yeah. try. Yeah. It, it, it could be. It, there's no doctrine, right? There's and, and all it is is just being part of a group and allowing yourself to feel the music and, and let the music heal, you know? And if, yeah. if, if, if a person is so either in their sickness or committed to not participating. Um, there's, there's, there's something else to address there at that point in time in their journey that, that they need. Of course. That they need. I, 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 and you guys know this as therapists and as facilitators. 
we get so invested in these individuals that sometimes it's hard not to take them personally. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and that's a constant reminder for me, you know, is that again, it's not about me, not about me during this process. So and that's so hard to just continue to it recreate is because man. we just exude this love and we just want to help. Yeah. You know, you yeah. want them to love it as much as you do. Exactly. It helps so much. It does. <laughs> if you could only just see, but I just, I, I imagine if somebody was in my face and being like, kind of like just how we were right now when I was early in my disease and I would just look at them and I'd be like, there's no way. There's yeah. no way I'm going to buy into anything that you're saying. And I get that. I get that mm -hmm. now in this light that I'm in and that I see. I get that now. And I feel like I can um, still find a way to create a therapeutic bond with that person to where at least they leave group not feeling worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. if you leave group not feeling worse – um then that's a win we did our job <laughs> man we did our job you know <laughs> so i think a, a awesome place to segue as we're kind of cl closing down here brian is like okay. for me a lot of people they know what like early recovery looks mm -hmm. like or they know what their recovery should look like leaving treatment with aftercare and sober living and iop mm -hmm. and go to meetings and meditate and have a therapist yeah. and all that stuff but uh, I, I think what's unique is people with multiple years sobriety. So I guess what I'm getting to is with almost five years yeah. sober, which right. early congrats. I Thank believe you so in you. Much. I'm pulling it off till June. Yes. <laughs> yes. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, dude. Yes. It's like, what does your sobriety look like now? Almost five years sober. Like what's changed? What have you added? What have you subtracted? What does it look like today? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that's changed for me is uh, the, the, the lack, I guess, of self-judgment when it comes to, God, I should have done that today. Did I hit a meeting today? Or you think about all the things you're exposed to in early treatment, IOP, 90 and 90 or whatever. You've got your yoga, you're working out, you're doing all this. And then all of a sudden, five years later, like, there's no way I can do all that in one day and raise a child work do <laughs> right. that right but early on it's so important to give ourselves time and not judge ourselves for what we're going through i think that's the biggest thing is i'm five years into it i'm still learning to feel yeah um, and not judge myself for whatever i'm feeling at any given time um there's been a lot of loss this past year and some of the losses hit me hard and some of it hasn't hit me that hard and i thought it would and the old me would have been like, why aren't you crying right now? You're, you don't, you're heartless. You're heartless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? And, and there's just acceptance now with that. And that comes from being part of a community. And I've referenced that a ton this. So for me, that is AA and it is my church. Um, so where I get my aftercare from at this point in time is that the other thing that's been huge for me that I really struggled with, um, in, uh, the beginning part of the pandemic was, my health, my physical health. Yeah. Um, I put on a ton of weight, uh, and I, I was just so in just a dark space and so much of it came back to my diet. And you guys know at the facility, how much diet is, is, is what we're putting into our bodies, mm -hmm. um, has been huge for me. So getting back onto that, um, has been 
like a night and day turn for me, which has led to my ability to maintain a positive mental attitude. But I, I was, I was blown away and I knew it, but I wasn't doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and so I was able to do something about it and believe it or not, it, it came to the point where I just had to kind of surrender to a program and I partnered with a doctor and, and did the right things to do it because, Sweet. because I needed that additional level of accountability. Yep. Um, there, there wasn't an, a, a, an eating disorder per se, but there was definitely um, a lack of care for what I was putting into my body. And I would eat once a day and it was usually fast food, you know, uh, especially my ex-wife and I, we share son custody 50-50. So I have him one week. She has him one week. And the weeks that he's not with me, I'm a bachelor. You That's know true. I mean? yeah, yeah, and yeah. and um, I'll be 42 in May. My body doesn't respond the same way as it used to in my 20s or <laughs> right. early 30s. And so, you know, for me, it's um, a matter of kind of taking care of this vessel that I've been blessed with. And that has led to a lot of positive things in my life. But my, my roots are, are my faith and, and my my AA community and, and my brothers in Rock to Reco- brothers and sisters in Rock to Recovery. Um, without them, you know, I, I surround myself. I practice my 12th step daily, right, because of my work, and I feel very honored with that. I think one of the things that really detracted me from any sort of aftercare program when I was in early sobriety was that I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to have to go to a meeting for the rest of my life. I didn't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. And I finally said, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I want to be this guy right now. Right. Whatever it takes to be this guy right now. And I stopped worrying about five years down the road. I'm that guy now guys, just so you know, but you know what? I'm okay with it. And I love it. And I love that. But I yes. was able to alleviate that stress or the thought process of becoming that guy because I knew the guy I wanted to be was in the present it. moment. Dude, well, you look huge. great. If you hadn't told me that about going through the... I've lost like 20 pounds in like eight weeks. Oh, you look amazing. No way. Yeah, I would never know that you were going Thanks. through those struggles. And I'm yeah, really awesome. glad to hear we're that We're really you good are... at hiding them, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when we're trapped at home and nobody you and know, exactly. sees us. There's no yeah. accountability. It's easy to do that. Yeah. But you look really good. I'm Thank really glad you. you're putting so much focus on your your health and diet. It's important because yeah. there's a lot of, I mean, I put on a concert in a sense, like we're, the energy that it takes to put out a, a, an event or not an event, but just like they are, we're like putting on shows sometimes like with our clients and the energy that it takes to do that four or five sessions a day, you know, it's taxing three, four days a week is exhausting. Yeah. And and I was I was losing my ability to be as effective as I as I would like to have been. Yeah, and then like you said, it starts to cloud our 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 mind and our clarity so and much, things like that. So. so much of our diet and what we put into our body affects our mental state. It's incredible. I'm still learning from that. What kind of diet are you on? I'm just curious. Yeah, so my body right now is in full blown ketosis. Yes, yeah, you're doing the keto there diet. We go full blown. That's my like, that's my go to. I've been yeah. on it for years, but not as strict I am, as I need I am, to be. I I probably yeah. So it's very strict very strict you measure your macros you do all that no less than that like i eat what's given to me and then oh wow okay yeah and then dinner i make like a four to six ounce protein and then two cups of vegetables specific vegetables but that's it otherwise my lunch and and my snacks and my breakfast are portioned out and stuff yeah provided Good for you. I yeah, love that. I love that, that you knew yourself enough to know like, yeah. hey. And the reason why I wanted to do doctor was because it, it's, I've, I've learned a lot about it. Um, yeah, of course. And I, and I trust the process. Um, so yeah, 
been great. Well, and like you said, the accountability, especially yeah. when you're financially invested, you put more into it. For sure. <laughs> because you're not, like, I'm For not sure. just going to waste the money. And to your point about macros and whatnot, there's, there's, there's different phases and I'm still, and I still got at least 10 more pounds to go. So I'm at ideal weight. And then I move into the phase two where we start introducing the macros and, and, and other things like that. But yeah, yeah. to be honest with you guys, unless I had my son, I never cooked for myself. And I didn't like that because I like cooking sometimes. Um, but I was just so lazy and then it just kind of became habit and whatnot. And so I, that's totally changed now. Love yeah. yeah. I love that too. Cause I mean, it's like, dude, all we do is eat. We do it every day. It's yeah. something that we do all the time. And so it becomes kind of this like, the health and nutrition and diet and cooking, it becomes this like lifestyle thing, almost like recovery. It's like just it as important, you know, and it, it's huge that you got back into it. Eating wow. to me became a chore. Yeah. When I was just eating gross and, and all that stuff, like I was just like, and I wouldn't eat until I was starving and then I was starving and I would gorge and that was it. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you're like lethargic because you totally. ate too much and you totally. can't, your production's down. Yeah. Dude, I know all about that. There's definitely oh, yeah. uh, there's and things that I still see a therapist. So I guess I probably should have mentioned that, right? With yeah, like part of the recovery. I'm, part of my recovery. Like <laughs> yeah. it's I still actively am in therapy and I will be as a therapist. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's very healthy. But there's there's things that I work with with body dysmorphia and things like that for me that have have recently come to light that I had lived in but was maybe a secondary or third when my disease yeah. of addiction was my primary and it's been a beautiful thing to be able to get into some of those other things as as I've grown stronger in my recovery and things that I've learned through my recovery have helped me with those secondary and so on and so on yeah. well and like you said you know there's things that you're confronting in your 40s that you didn't have to deal with in your 30s no. so it's not even like had you dealt with it back then you wouldn't be dealing with it now because our body's changing and right. aging and getting older and then like learning to be okay with that. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Never You're stops. Smart. <laughs> You're smart. smart. Yeah. You've done this before. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, do. I, I like I go to, through it. That's why I like to ask the question of like, what does being sober five years look like? Yeah. What does being sober 10 years look like? Because I feel like people, people think they can be that guy of like, I don't want to have to go to meetings the rest oh. of my life. And one of the best quote or one of the best things that were ever told to me is when do I have to stop going to meetings? Or uh, what did the, what did he say? It was something along the lines of like, when can I stop going to meetings? And he was like, when you like them. <laughs> like when you <laughs> don't want to miss them is when you can stop. Because yeah. then you won't. Because now you just like them. you're into it, yeah. 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 And it was like almost like the idea of like, how many sit-ups do I have to do to get a six-pack, you know? Or, like, how many sit-ups do I have to do to get in shape? And it's like, until you're not fat. I don't know. Like, right. just keep doing it. How many licks does it take to get to the center <laughs> of a Tootsie Pop? Yeah. Let me know when you get there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> as, as many as it takes. Yeah. Just do it. That's right. Oh, man. So, Brian, where can people find you? Where can people find Rock to Recovery, dude? Where can yeah. they get more so of this We have a in their huge life? social media presence. Nice. Uh, at Rock to Recovery for all the socials. RockToRecovery.org or .com for our website. Um, all contact info is on there. If you want to check out the songs that we do um, with our clients, they're all on SoundCloud. They're public. Just search Rock to Recovery, R-O-C-K-T-O-R-E-C-O-V-E-R, one word. And you'll find our page and each one of us program administrators have a playlist and you can just kind of hear the magic of, of what happens. And some of them are silly. Some of them are serious. Some of them are 
amazingly professional because you have great musicians. Some of them are maybe a little rough to hear, but <laughs> realize that the reason why they're recorded in place there are for the band members and their 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 family and friends to be able to timestamp the experience. There we go. Well, I'll plug all that into the show notes. We actually and so even we a sample of one of the songs. Yes, and yeah. we weren't able to have our event that you guys came to. Yes. We weren't able to have it last year, but we do have it on the books this year. Oh, nice! Um, coming up, so stay tuned for details on that. We're working on honorees. It's our huge rock tree cover event where we put on concerts and the big sober event. And nice. It's, it's just a good fun night out. I love, love that. It. And will that be down south? Yeah. Usually okay. at the Fonda Theater in L.A. Gotcha. Okay. Super Sick. great venue. Yeah. Had a lot of fun. Again, I can't believe it's been a couple of years. Yeah, it'll be really yep. good to get back to normal with that as well. Right? Yeah. Love well, that. I'll plug all your links, all everything, yeah. Rock to Recovery sure in the show the notes. too, because we'll put yeah, it on course. our website and socials. As well. Yeah, dude, of course. We'll make sure all that happens. We'll Sweet. connect. We'll, we'll get this to the people that need it. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and I love that you feel the same way we do. If we can just help one person by listening to this podcast, then this is the best time spent so that we it. could have ever spent. Yeah. Then it's all worth it. It is. Brian, thank you so much for being thank on the show, guys. man. This yeah, has been thanks epic. Thanks for coming love over. Love you both. It's been yeah, amazing. much I love, man. It. There we go. We hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Perfect. Bye. All right, guys. That's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour healthline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org. Keeps moving.
You can always change your life, it's never too late. My life used to be one hell of a mess until I learned this tool called mindfulness. The past is in the past, so let it be dead. Those demons don't control you, it's all in your head. Assess the life goals and have you a plan. And people will judge you because they don't understand. And life will get you down, but keep your head up. Now a strong rope because you grew from a buck. I got a life to live while I'm still me, and the past will never define who I'm meant to be.